This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're not West, we spent so much time West this week because there's been a lot of activity in West London. We had a match on Saturday against Borough. It was a lot of fun. Didn't quite go according to plan, but it was good. And then we had other activity in West London this week as well. So we've decided to come central to the Lamb and Flag in Covent Garden. We haven't been here for a while, like I said to you, a bit of stained glass lamb in the window up there that we always look at and we think that we're at Preston North End going up north so going up north in central London very confusing to some but anyway don't you worry about that I'm Billy Grant and I'm having a right laugh this week like I said to you I've had a very very good time there's been some very 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 exciting things that have happened which we're going to talk to you about in this podcast and I'm sitting around here I'm drinking a pint of pride as I'm very relaxed with my buddies in the boozer I have to the left of me Mr David Lane how you do, Dave? I'm all right, as you say, it's been a bit of a bee's blur these last few days. Obviously, we've had the game, had a day off on Sunday, and then obviously the, um, the, the, the hole in the ground thing on Monday, the B team on Tuesday, we've got the podcast tonight, got the radio show tomorrow, so it's a bit of a bee's blur, if I'm honest. So Laney's going to be going to Specsavers to get a new pair of glasses because his, his eyesight is all blurred up. And also we've got the old Dutchman in front of us as well. The Dutchman hasn't been on the podcast for at least two weeks. So welcome back, Dutch. How are you doing? Back by popular request. Um, very well, thanks. Very well. It's always, always enjoyable. Glad to be here. Um, I, I don't partake in quite so much Daily Bees activity as you guys. So um, I'm still oh, loyal. Ah, loyal. So I'm here full of uh, once a week enthusiasm. Indeed, and listen, your enthusiasm is brimming across the table. We can feel it, like you say. So anyway, listen, we've got loads to talk about, so we're going to crack on like we say to you. We played Borough at the weekend, so we're going to be talking about the Borough game, talking to the fans of the game. We're also going to be talking to Ollie Watkins, who talked to us about his performance at the Borough game and the Brentford team in general. Also, talking about teams that graced Griffin Park, Manchester United came down as well on Tuesday. We went down to see that game. We'll tell you exactly what went down when when United came to Griffin Park and we played them as well. We'll also be talking about some international call-ups with Bees players as well. So we've had some Bees players being called up 
to international teams, which is an absolutely TV tremendous thing. So we'll talk about that. Also, don't forget, radio show Thursday night, Love Sport Radio, 9 till 10 o'clock, the Bradford Show featuring Besotted. We're going to have a new Spadium Lionel Road special on that one. So please check that out. You can call in um, with your, whatever you want to talk about. We're going to put a question out for you. So check out on social media about that as well. And also... Martin Allen, the waving hand. If you go to besotted.com, just click on the banner there. Martin Allen, the 4th of May, he's going to be coming to our social um, before the last day of the season for us, but also, more importantly, as he's now become Barnet manager, it's the, the, the night before the last game for Barnet, which could see them going up or down. It might be doing another great escape, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, we, we were a little bit worried when we heard that he'd been confirmed as the Barnet manager for the 23rd or 24th time or whatever it is. You know, but I, I think it wouldn't, it won't really come as a surprise to you that Martin Allen's a man of his word. If he says he's going to do something, he does something. Equally, if you say, if you tell him you're going to do something, you bloody well better do it as well. Indeed, and like I said to you, just after I just messaged him, gave him a bit of congratulations, said, oh, you are turning up on your mind. He goes, oh, I'm potty for it, Bill. So he's definitely going to be there. Tickets are flying out the door, so definitely make sure you click on that hand on besotted.com. But anyway, loads and loads and loads to talk about. So we are going to go into this podcast, and next we're going to go and talk about the Borough game. So on Saturday, Middlesbrough came to Griffin Park. This is the eighth time we have played Borough in the last, was it, four seasons? And to be honest with you, our our record against them isn't too great. They've won six, we drew one, and we were hoping that we'll actually be able to finally get one over them this time. They came to the game, they got themselves an early goal with the man who they all warned us about, Traore. He scored a good goal, to be fair, and he was a bit of a thorn in our side, but we, we dealt with him appropriately. At the end of the day, we got a goal back, which is good, and, uh, but we couldn't get another one. Anyway, let's go to hear what the fans had to say in the pub after the game. No, it wasn't, but it was a good game. I enjoyed that. Excellent second half. Looked the better team for most of it. Always looked a little bit susceptible on the break, but fair play to them, fair play to Smith. I thought he changed the tactics today. We went a bit more direct probably um, dropping Sawyers for that reason I thought a few lessons learned from Tuesday uh, and played really well yeah enjoyable game uh, I thought it was a really good game of football I was impressed by the uh, shift that we put in um, and uh, if only we'd had this referee on Tuesday night um, I think it could have been a different result against Cardiff because the referee actually uh, gave, uh, was, was uh, firm with, uh, with players who uh, fouled fouled yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That's, I, I thought the 1-1 was an, honest, was an honest and good result for us today I was impressed by the way that Brentford put in a shift I also thought that uh, Middlesbrough looked like a team that, that might go places but you know at least this time we've got a result no much better team you guys definitely without a doubt you actually should have won the game to be fair you should have beat us twice this, this season without a doubt I mean we got buggy team as well we were your bogey team and all of a sudden you've turned us over virtually all of a sudden now we can't beat you anymore but I don't think it's a possession game I don't remember I don't remember Brentford having like any clear chances it was a bit of a nothing game really you had a lot of the ball but nothing was really created by any team like Bamford did nothing they kept Traore under wraps I don't know whether that was a tactic from you guys Traore normally running through the middle and like to be honest he didn't do a lot today he was ineffective ideally for for me and and Lee Tomlin's got the forest back under Karanga 
nowhere we had Lee Tomlin and Lee Tomlin when he's fit has that bit of spark about him creates things and I think I'd love Lee Tomlin back now at Borough Lee Tomlin any team like a Brentford or something like that creating something scoring goals I think it'd be ideal for a Brentford it's quite easy to say not the result we wanted but away from home against Brentford who are a decent size was it now three years ago we played you in the semi-finals we finished third you finished sixth we're going it's probably quite likely that we'll be the team that finishes sixth this year which means we'll be going up against probably Cardiff Villa yeah it was a good game today wasn't it I enjoyed it um, it was I, I, in a funny sort of way I thought we learned some lessons quite quickly from the Cardiff game um, it, you know there's an argument about about playing cynical and is that a good or a bad thing um, we did that today we did it we took Traore out of the game really after about 15-20 minutes I think we took at least four bookings um, taking him out of the game it might have been five um, it accounted for Sawyers um, and you know is it a good thing would I want to see us doing that every week I'm not sure we don't but, need to do it every week no we don't and, 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 but, it, but it, worked, it worked today um, and you know I, I, I thought we learned some lessons from Tuesday and, and, and we did alright I, I think you know Maybe again, we, we you know we, we overplayed it a bit in the second half, uh, which maybe could have been. When I say direct, I don't mean long ball. I mean I just mean you know hit the ball early. Hitting the ball earlier, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are unlucky. I think we had uh, lots of chances as the game progressed. There was only one team in it, second half. Only one team that wanted to play. We kept going. I'm still a little bit frustrated about our dark arts. We need them. We need to be crowding the referee and getting around. And, and, it, and, and if so, intimidating the referee. You know, it's our, it's our home pack. You know, and we did to Middlesbrough a little bit in the second half what they've always done to us. Uh, we just need to keep doing it. I thought Brentford played very, very well today. I thought um, best before, best display we've seen since obviously the Birmingham game. Um, I really thought that we we not bullied um, Middlesbrough today, but we we looked like we'd um, taken evening classes in uh, in kind of uh, just like more thoughtful football. We actually hit the ball a little bit longer. We um, we bypassed a couple. Of, didn't bypass midfield ever, but we would knock it a little bit long. I thought Morpay had a brilliant game today. He, he was winning balls that he was he was probably six or seven inches shorter than the bloke who was marking him. Um, um, I, th- I thought McLeod played very very well. He, he tied towards the end, took his goal very well. He, he probably had four or five shots. I don't know if they were all on target, but he had he, he was shooting. We probably need to take the shots that we took didn't really have much venom. Um, I, I thought Canos came on. He, he could have passed a couple of times when he, he had a shot. Uh, I thought Joseph Zoom was excellent today. I thought Clark was very good today. I, I, yeah, I, we were good all round, mate. I thought, um, yeah, I, I got I got no complaints at all, and I, I think we deserve the win. So there you have it, the fans after the game. Borough fans were giving us major props, which is a good thing for me, because like I said to you, for me, I really, really do expect us to beat them at one stage, and I thought it would be this time. And the fact that Borough fans are saying that we're closer and we're closer, and if anything, we might have superseded them, and we're a better side, we just need to put the ball in the back of the net, as we hear each week and week out. It's a good thing to hear. And like I said to you, we had a number of players that had a good game as well against, uh, against Borough. Dutchman. 
Yeah, there's some really good performances, and the obvious one was um, great to see Lewis McLeod start, play well, and, and get his goal. And watching the highlights back, actually, he could have had a couple more. Um, I thought we added a bit of strength to our um, to our midfield. He took a few decent set balls, not all of them were so good, but um, took some decent ones, and he looked very promising. But there were some other guys there. I thought I thought Clark again, you know, switch positions, switching around. Thought did really, really well. And I think Traore actually moved away um, to, to get away from Clark, which was um, credit to Clark. I thought Woods as well. I mean, Woods, we all know, can have his great 20-minute spells, but he probably had about four of them in this game, um, which is what he needs to do. Um, and there were some really good performances. You know, strength of squad showing, a couple of changes. Mopay worked hard, again, without... And again, seeing the highlights, probably more so and less beers inside when you watch the highlights. Um, he could have had three or four, actually, half chances and could have put a couple away. But, yeah, good performances. You can't argue with that one. You were, you were particularly impressed with Malpay this game, weren't you, Laney? Yeah, I was. Um, you know, I think it's been been sort of like suggested that you know he, he was kind of a little bit naive at this level, and, and I think I think it's just taken him a while to acclimatise. And you know, we've we've seen this we've seen this happen so often now. I, I don't really think we ought to be surprised about it. You know, I, I think there's always a clamour for people to expect that everyone hits the ground running, and you know, we, we hype up these players, and then they, they, they make their debuts, and if they, if they don't actually they don't set the world on fire day one. I just think um, you know it's just really it's really difficult for them to sort of like gain the confidence of the fans. But more pay, especially in the last four weeks, I, I'd say that. He's clearly learning how we play as a squad. He's, 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 he's becoming second nature. It took V-Bay that time. Um, it took. Um, it's, it's taken several of them. You know, some of them aren't quite intelligent enough to do it. Morpay clearly is, and he, he he hangs back sometimes, and he makes a, makes a darting run. He, got, he hangs out wide. He, he tracks back. He comes from deeper. He goes on the last shoulder. That's the, probably the delivery that we're not giving him still at the moment. We're not giving him that ball to run onto. He's, cut, he's probably getting the ball too far in towards the goal. Um, I, I think he would personally like it about six or seven yards outside the area as a, as a run on to goal. We, we seem to be giving him a lot of chances with a packed penalty area and he's, at, he's having to try and find a little a little dink or a little nudge or a flick on header to, 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 to you know, it's, it's fine margins. He, I reckon he's, be, he's a better finish, finisher running in on goal. But in general, I think I think there's a fair few players there that could benefit from, a, you know, like a pre-season, having a bit of a rest, coming back and having like a month of training um, and integrating as part of a bigger squad, including players like Tom Field and Reese Cole, who have come back to Brentford now. They're really shining in the B team, and I, I, I think that they will be integrated fully in the in the in the first team squad for next season. So. You know, I think we'll see a bit bit of them between now and the end of the season. Alan Judge is another one. You know, you know, he's he's not match fit, and same with same with Lewis McLeod. He's not ma- He's not. He's not ninety minute fit. He's proved that. You know, he's proved that he's is what he's capable of. But you know, he's he got cramp and he got a knock, and I and I, and I just think he. He, he needs he needs to like the close season and to start and have have a nine months ahead of him. But it's really promising for next year, mate. And I think we, we've got we've got a very very exciting squad. We need some extra players coming in, but you know all rounds it's you know we, we need to use these final um, you know final ten games or whatever it is to, to kind of start prepping for next year. I mean, 
obviously we say it's promising for next year obviously we've got to keep our fingers crossed that as we always do the vultures aren't circling in the close season and they're buying the players because it's all very well us saying oh we've sold somebody for 10 million pounds but we've always got to replace them and then we've got to train them up and it takes a little bit of time and one of these players which everyone is talking about week in and week out is Oliver Watkins Ollie Watkins who came to us from Exeter City you know and he came with a bit of a rep and we thought you know he sounds like he's a half decent player but week on week we see that this player is someone who can actually really add to our side is the the amount of work the amount of graft that he puts in he's only a, a young kid he's got the right type of attitude he's really polite we chatted to him like I said to you um, a few days ago and, and, I, and we just think to be quite honest with you um, we're very I wouldn't say lucky but I think that you know the, 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 the directors of football and the people that have been involved in the club have, been, have, done, have done really well to uncover this little jewel and I've, from what I've heard they're very very excited about where Ollie Watkins can go in the future they think that he can go all the way um, he's, a, he's an excellent player isn't he? He is and let's not forget we tried to get him before you know this is, this is the second bite of the, uh, the cherry for Ollie we tried to get him here for the previous transfer window so yeah no, fair play to the people that scouted him and the people that have been really diligent in making sure that he, he chose Brentford over anyone else yeah, he gives us a completely different option. We've got the, you know, the Flojo and the Canossies on the, on the wings, and Watkins can go central as well. And he's he's strong. He, he, when he's on that ball, he's hard to knock off it. And yeah, I wouldn't say he's as skillful as some of the others. He doesn't need. He's got immense strength. He's very direct. He controls that ball really well, and he's got a good shot at him. And you know, if he continues to improve at this rate, he's going to be extremely exciting for either us or, you know, for wherever else he may end up. And we, and we spoke to Ollie Watkins. Um, we talked to him about you know the match against Middlesbrough, and we talked about the fact that you know we weren't getting the chances, we weren't getting the breaks. Ollie Watkins talked to us about his thoughts about the Middlesbrough game, and also about his general, his game, and also his time at Brentford. You've only been here a short period of time, but you've put a real mark on the fans. The fans are really feeling your style of play, your enthusiasm. They think you're going to be a great player for Brentford. Now you're going to be here for years to come. How much have you enjoyed your time at the club? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's um, been frustrating at times because uh, obviously I had to adapt to the league and the physical demand. Um, it's not the same as League Two, but... Um, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I've got good people around me, good players, and uh, I love the way you know we play football. So um, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, hope for a better season next year. And listen, Saturday you're on the field with players like Traore and people like that. And to be fair, we were matching them. You know what I'm saying they 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 were frustrated because they couldn't get the best out of us. I mean, that must be must be a good feeling for you. Yeah, obviously it wasn't my best game, but to see uh, the way we played and you know come off the pitch a little bit disappointed because we should have taken all three points and that's a top six team you know we're playing against and they they can get out their half in the second half so you know there's a lot of positives to take and I think there's a there's a lot of belief around the squad and at the moment we're a bit disappointed because we know we're you know we're playing teams off the park and we're just it's not going our way at the moment. Okay let's just say that this season's out of the question. Next season what are your hopes and ambitions, Ollie Watkins? Hopes and ambitions to score as many goals as I can, to help play as many games as I can and help the team get promoted. Will we get promoted? Of course we can. Ollie Watkins, that was the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
So there we have it, Ollie Watkins. And it's interesting, if you listen to him, you know, he still knows he has weaknesses. He still knows that he needs to get better. He wants to get better, but he's working hard at it. You know, he said he didn't have a great game against Borough. Some people sort of say, mm, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, as for him, he knows what levels that he can be or he should be at, um, which is where you should be if you're always striving to improve yourself, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's obviously a very intelligent, um, decent bloke. And um, I just think he's capable of going to the very top. You know, there's, there's, there's certain players that you see or you, you see at other clubs. And, you know, Deli Ali was one, you know, when he, when he played against us for MK Dons, he was widely touted to go to the top. And you kind of think, well, really, what's the, you know, you, you could actually see what the fuss was about with some of them. And I think, I, I think he, he's one of them. Ollie Watkins will get snapped up at some stage for a massive amount of money. And he, he will go to a very big club. We, I, I, I think the, the DOFs and, and Matthew Benham and the people that make the decisions, I think they're, I think they're confident that you know they can hold out for literally the right, the right clubs to come in for him. Um, Mepham's another one. You know, we've already seen that. You know, we, we got you know six or seven million quid that came in from Bournemouth on you know the, on, the, on the right at the end of the transfer window. Um, it's a really good article in the Guardian um, today about about Chris Mepham and you know how he was discovered and how he almost gave up the game. But now he's now he's been discovered. He's he's not going to waste any time now. You know he'd actually given the ghost up. I think um, it was only his mum that made him go for a, a trial at Brentford when he was scouted or when he was picked up um, at Greenford. And he he's, he's, his trajectory, his star, is very bright. He's, he's gonna he's gonna go again to a very big club, um, and you know his his first cap for Wales was certainly not going to be his last. And let's just go back to the Borough game now, because like I said, we we play very well against Borough. Um, I heard the Borough fans turn around as they're giving us major props, but again we didn't get the result. And it sounds like Groundhog Day every time we do it and we say these things. However. It's almost like, and you know, uh, one of the things that one of my Fulham fans has said to me, he said to me, you've reminded us of Fulham last season. Um, we played great football, you know, but we didn't have the striker up front. But now that we've got the striker up front, it's just made all of a difference between us. Now, I know it's easy to say, oh, you know, just get a striker, you know, because it's everyone wants that striker and it's got to cost a little bit of money. But I'm wondering whether or not we're at the stage now where if you're playing such good football... And this is not knocking any of the players we've got, because you've got Malpay anyway, you've got all these other players as well, but do you need to say, tell you something, if we're going to nick the ball in the back of the net and we're going to make it certain, do we also add this player to, our, to, 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 to what we've got? Do we add a player that we've, we're going to spend maybe a little bit more money on that we know knocks the ball in the back of the net? So we've got a Malpay and we've got a Watkins. They're all in the pot anyway, but we also spend somebody else who's maybe a slightly more traditional other teams do um, who is ready to go and will put the ball in the back of the net and may cost a little bit more money than what we normally spend because we know that if we take that gamble it will pay off it can, it's got more chance of paying off it's whether you need one for your start or whether you need a plan B isn't it I think I'm more along the lines of you know sometimes when it's not going right under plan A have we got that different player to turn it around and the argument about whether we need an out and out striker rages on and on we score lots of goals without having one you know, when we've tried Sawyer's up front and he played well, you know, we scored three or four goals in games where we're not really playing with recognised strikers. So, you know, we're proving that we can get goals. But I think just occasionally it looks there's a, there's a game or two where we need a goal and you, you sometimes think it needs to go a bit longer or at least to go a bit more, um, you know, high ball. We, we certainly played a bit more direct against Borough, as I said, after the game. And I think that was interesting. And 
do you want to have a we need a strong squad we haven't got enough competition up front I think Malpay's had an amazing job really for his first season but they need some competition and I still think up front is where you need perhaps to spend a little bit more cash talk about plan B and I, I just keep thinking that maybe plan B is the B team um, we saw we saw Marcus Force score score another goal for Brentford B yesterday he's been fairly prolific in, in recent recent months um, you know he's still very young still very green um, he's still he's still learning but he looked he looked really strong and he, he looked really confident and he, he, he's, he's taller than Morpay. He, he does give you something different. He's, he's certainly not a Vibe either. He's, he's kind of a he's kind of a, a bigger bigger bloke than, than Vibe was. His Vibe was a you know, skinny, sinewy kind of lad, wasn't he? But you know, may, maybe we're going to see Marcus Force given um, a bit of a run out pre-season next year as well. You know, we might have the answer to you know some of our more direct needs right on our right in the B team. What do you think of the... And I'm going to come back to the B team in a minute, Dave, but what do you think of the fact that Borough, you know, I would say second best, but Borough, you know, at times we, 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 we outshone Borough, you know, and, and looking at our journey and where we've come from, you know, I'm not say how does that make you feel, but what do you think about that? I mean, you looked on that pitch on Saturday and, you know, we did not look uncomfortable. You know, OK, we had to do the dirty little tricks to kind of take a couple of the players out of the game like people do to us when we're playing good football against them. But in general, we did not look uncomfortable against Borough at any stage. Even Poulis turned around and said, Dean Smith's done a brilliant job here. Brentford plays some brilliant football. And this is a geezer that's been all around the Premier League and he's played some fantastic, you know, he's played some the biggest teams in, in the world. Like, you know, and he's turned around to us and he's tipped his hand and said, actually, these lot are pretty good. Yeah, well, we, we did pay him quite a big... Um, respect, you know, we did change the way we played because they were coming into town. So, you know, we, it, it wasn't as if like we went out there and just like we didn't worry about the opposition. Just going back one point about bringing in someone who you think is a guaranteed goal scorer doesn't necessarily mean that you are they are going to score goals. Like Patrick Bamford didn't get sniffed Saturday. So, you know, for all the hype, all the all the millions that have been spent on him, you know, all, all the column inches that have been written about what a, what an amazing um, product of the Chelsea Academy is, and this guy's going to go on and on and on. He he got marked out of the game pretty much, and he looked like he had the hissy fits. So, you know, I, I I'm not sure that paying more money or going after someone that's perceived to be a great scorer, goal scorer, is always like 100% guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed, obviously, Dutchman. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I've said many times on this pod, I don't want to change the way we play. I love the way we play. It's just whether you need that sort of separate option sometimes where it's a bit different. I think on Saturday, every one of our players outshone every one of theirs with the, you know, the honourable exception of Traore, who was you know, extremely fast, extremely skillful, and obviously packed a decent shot in him as well. And you know, that's the sort of player that, that, that we've tended to encourage. The rest of them are far more experienced than us. And I think just... We're just starting to see the value of some of our experience now. These players like Woodsy have been around for a little bit longer now and just growing a little bit of experience. I was really pleased with how we learnt from the Cardiff game against another very experienced team and you know, a little bit cynical. And you know, we, we changed our game and we, I don't think we've changed... You know, we like the fact we play the same tactics all the time and the same formation in the main because that's the, that's sort of, that ethos runs through the club and we're, we're big fans of that. But you can switch it up slightly and the Borough fans we spoke to afterwards said they were a little bit caught out by that they weren't expecting us to, to mix it up and, and, and go a little bit direct occasionally not all the time and I, I think it worked well and that can only bode well we're talking about the new players we're talking about Ollie Watkins we're talking about players that are coming through we talked about you know Reese Cole and other people the B team um, 
the B team is very instrumental. You know that we always talk about the B team. We've been out to see the B team play all sorts of places. We went to Ireland to see them play. We, we saw them play against QPR last season. You know, and we've seen the players that are coming through. And we've seen a bit of development with the B team as well. Um, on Tuesday night, the B team played Manchester United at Griffin Park, and we went down there with another 400 fans who were all punked off lunchtime and took extended lunches. Went down there on a sunny Griffin Park on Tuesday afternoon to see Brentford play Man United. It was uh, it didn't start off too well to be honest with you because in the very first minute if you check it out on YouTube or anywhere you will see there was a pretty embarrassing own goal from uh, one of our one of our sort of relatively new players as well. Uh, well I'll have to check out what his name is. I remember I talked about it the other day, but yeah, he scored a he scored an own goal midfielder. Uh, and he put the ball back in the back of the empty net. It was quite bad, actually. And we thought, oh, we're going to be up against it in this game. But to be fair to the B team, they did not panic at all. And they just played their game and they started grinding away at Man United. And at one stage, they were all over Man United. And Man United were properly struggling to get out of the half. And they were trying to hit us on the break. And they just weren't getting any luck. And in the end, the B team ran out 3-1 winners. And it was a, it was a very good game. And a, a fantastic result, another fantastic result against another top-class side, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it could have been a very, very much, much more emphatic um, victory than it actually was. Before we equalised, which you know, it had it, been coming for sort of ten or fifteen minutes. Their, their goalkeeper had pulled off a couple of worldies, um, some poor finishing, some poor final balls. Um, we, we, we should have equalised way before we did. And then when when the ball actually came, um, Alistair Coote got got the goal. Um, it was just fully deserved, and then from from then on, it was just pretty much I would say one, all one way traffic. But we we controlled the game, you know. Tom Tom Field, I thought he had a, he had a great game. Um, again, we have already said about Force. I thought he was great. Um, yeah, it was, it was just positive all over the pitch, mate. And you know, it should have been probably five five one. That's probably a fair reflection on the chances that were created. Yeah, and, and, and what we were saying, and I mean, I know the Dutchman wasn't the game as much, but you were watching it quite a lot, and you were receiving all the sort of the texts and the WhatsApps that were coming back, and you heard that you know that Brentford were putting really good. You know, what we said is that it's quite interesting because you know um, playing for Man United was um, what's his name was uh, playing for, playing for Man United up front. Well, Alexis Sanchez. I remember Josh Bowie. Josh Bowie and Josh Bowie uh, if you if you don't know you know there's a little bit of history not with him as such as a person but there's a little bit of history with him and the academy and the B team where it's gone Josh Bowie is one of the players who actually came through our academy for the record if I remember rightly he actually wasn't picked up by the academy I think he was at Brentford beforehand um, very young at Brentford then Brentford started the academy so there's a natural process for him to come from being at Brentford Juniors or whatever it was called before into the academy and then he was part of the academy for the amount of years that he's been at the academy and then as time came for him to get older and older and to sign professional contracts he made a decision that he wasn't going to sign a professional contract but obviously because uh, Man United had shown an interest in him and then Man United showed an interest and they signed him in effect um, poached him in effect and uh, the way that it goes that Brentford got little to no compensation allegedly from what I can gather because of the way that the contracts are you know even if we got you know I don't know a couple of hundred thousand pounds even if we got a hundred thousand pounds you know that money is, is very minimal in comparison to you know the development costs and where it can go in the future and stuff like that so um, Josh Bowie is one of the players who was instrumental I think in Brentford looking at exactly how the academy was running the system which doesn't seem to really work for us and work for smaller teams where bigger teams can poach players at any stage of their development. 
And so Brentford made the decision to close the academy and move forward and do the B team. So it was interesting that Josh Bowie was playing number nine for Man United against basically some of his old pals. And um, I thought he was all right, but we were asking how many Man United players would have actually slotted into that B team yesterday, Laney. You, you, you would assume that any Man United team you play should be better than Brentford. You know, the, the, the finances they've got, the, the, the scouting network they've got, like globally, um, it should it should really sort of put us into our place. You know, they 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 are the biggest club, arguably in the world, in terms of the amount of money they generate. Um, they have got fingers in every pie in every big club in the world. You would assume that they're under twenty threes. You know, I'm, I'm not. I've got the appetite for someone saying, "Oh well, it, it wasn't a very strong Man United team." I don't give a monkeys. They were playing. They were playing Brentford B. They, whatever team puts on that Man United shirt should should be like the, the best in the world at, at their at their age group. Um, we 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 didn't humiliate them, but you know, we we were the superior cl- um, team in in almost every department. Um, you know. Um, Bowie, he, he had a, he had a, he had a very. He was played played number nine. They lined up one to nine, his first half. He, he played centre forward. He, he he wasn't a centre forward. Just in second half, he, he came out onto the left wing and he he looked he looked decent. He's full of tricks and you know he, he asked a few questions. That's obviously his natural position. Um, but in, you know he's got he's got a big ask on his shoulders. If you're going to break through to a Man United squad, good luck, mate. You know, this is this is where you should have stayed with the Brentford because you would be in the first team by now. You probably would be going for ten million somewhere else at this stage. But you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fester in Man United's reserve team. You'll go out on loan probably two years after you would probably would have got first team experience at the club you were with. So you know, yeah, he's, he's probably laughing financially, but you know, he's got career ahead of him, and you've got a question: Will he will he ever actually make anyone's first team? And also, it's just the thing that was going through my head as well, because I saw these Man United players come on, and you sort of think, you know, Man United, you know, youth team, you know, you had David Beckham, you know, and a load of big players come out of that, you know, so you're looking at that team thinking, you know, who are the, who are the next generation out of that? And also, imagine, when you sign for Man United, can you imagine, like, you're strutting around Manchester going, you know, you're going out going, yeah, I play for Man United. It's not quite a big thing. So I'm just, you know, we see their coach parked outside. They've come inside to our little pokey little dressing room. They've gone out there. They've played a game against Brentford, and they've basically been whooped by Brentford. Now, I'm just wondering, how must it feel as a Man United player who's like meant to be the Don out there to come to Griffin Park and basically be pretty much almost like paid off the park by, by, by Brentford, who is, you know, who's, meant, who's not meant to do that? I, I, didn't see, I didn't see the same appetite from anyone in, in, a, in a black Man United shirt. You know, Brentford, Brentford look absolutely potty for it, as, as you would. Um, but but the Man United, they just look like lackluster. They just—I don't know whether they wanted to be there, but you know, Brentford, Brentford players looked like they were playing for their future. Man United players, I just didn't. They weren't. They would look. They, they looked scared. They looked like they were being watched. They looked like they were being assessed at every opportunity, like to, to see if they were ever going to make the grade or not. They didn't. They weren't playing in, in, in you know, with kind of freedom. They, they looked. They looked really sort of introvert. With Brentford, they were playing little flicks and tricks and. You know this this really intricate one-touch football. It was it was amazing to watch. And as I said, you know, on another day we would have got another three goals. 
think the challenge is for, for Man United, like the same as it is for Brentford, to be really, is where do they go from there? Have they really got aspirations of playing for Man United? You, know, you talk about Beckham and Scholes and Giggs and the golden era, but you know things have changed since then. That wasn't that long ago, but you know the world and the, the opening up of the, the European market and the teams, it, there ain't that many coming through now unless you get an opportunity. And I, I was reading somewhere... I think it was originally about Mepham, you know, everyone's now saying Mepham's worth £50 billion and he's playing for Wales, but, you know, he got his chance because of an injury and a suspension, I think, and you know, would he have got into the team if that hadn't happened, and the same thing was, I think, for, for Rashford, when Rashford broke into the Man U team again, he got in because there was absolutely nobody else at the time through a combination of injuries and suspensions and people on strike or whatever it was at the time, and that, that's, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? As, as our B team's got better, so's our first team, or our A team, whatever you want to call it. And the opportunities for those players, whilst they're better, they're now trying to challenge even better players for their squads. And every time you look at a midfield player coming through, you think like a Reese Cole is obviously highly promising. You think he's got to knock out a Woods, a Sawyers, and that's that's easier said than done. I, if I if I was a Man United player with uh, with uh, you know with half a brain on my shoulders, I I would know that I'm probably already a millionaire at, at, at that under 23 stage. I'm probably sorted for life, but. I would have used that opportunity to show Brentford why we should buy them, if I'm honest with you, because, you know, we we are picking up some of the best talent, you know, on our radars. They they stand a really good chance of of, of progressing at Brentford rather than Man U, but it looked like a few of them could really be asked. Interesting, though, you talked about Josh Bowie a bit earlier on and the fact that he should have played at the Brentford because maybe he might have actually been in the first team and worth £10 million. Obviously, he's a player who probably played, I don't know if he played in the same team as Josh, but you know he was in and around roughly the same time, which was obviously Chris Meppham, who was at the academy as well. And he did stay at the Brentford and he came through into the B team and he got his break, as you said. And like I said to you, he got an you know, £8 million bid for him you know, only a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago. And now, you know, we've stood out for that. So he's going to be worth even more. And he's now playing for Wales, which means he's worth even more. And Ryan Giggs is talking about him. And people are talking about Man United looking at him and all sorts of stuff. So his opportunity, ironically, so he's, so he's playing, you know, he's not even, he's not playing against Man United B team this time. You know, you've got Man United now looking for him. But it's about this opportunity. So Mepham has been called up for Wales, which is, uh, which is quite spectacular because, I mean, again, it, pretty much a year ago today, we saw Mepham play for the B team against QPR. Now, if we said, by the way, Chris Meppham is going to have an £8 million bid on him, um, turned down, and he's going to be playing for Wales in a year's time, what would you have said to me? Yeah, it was, you say it's poppycock. But, um, you know, yeah, I think you mentioned Meppham going to Man United. I think it's probably wise money. Maybe he ought to go out and put a bid on that, um, a bet on that, rather, because, um, you know, let's not forget Ryan Giggs has got contacts back there big time. He was obviously tipped for the, the manager's job. He, he was manager for a very short time. You know, he's got contacts there. He will be saying, if anyone's got any sense, I'll snap this guy up. That, unless he's going to go to Salford, which I, I doubt that. Dutchman, Meppham's going to China. What do you think he's going to be eating out there? Um, Welsh rabbit. <laughs> do you think they can get Welsh rabbit in Nanking, I think it is, or wherever he's going to? Um, I don't know, but I think he'll probably be under, on his best behaviour. Um, he's a cocky, cocky, sorry, I don't mean cocky, he's a confident young lad. I've never met him. That was a slip of the tongue rather than anything else. Uh, he's a confident young lad by all accounts. Um, but it still must be pretty daunting to be there amongst some of those names and obviously Giggs in, in particular as, as the manager but some other star names there so I would imagine on his first trip he'll be fairly low profile and probably getting a room service delivered in okay 
room service. But listen, we've got much, much more to talk about. Of course, we've got a new stadium chat which is coming on. But don't forget to, we're going to chat about this Borough game a little bit more on the uh, Love Sport Radio Show, 9 till 10 o'clock on Thursday night, 558 on the AM dial, and it's on DAB Digital and lovesportradio.com as well. Check that out. But listen, Brentford are moving home 18 months' time. They broke the ground at Lionel Road this week. We were there, and we're going to bring you all the new stadium chat activity and whatever else you need to know. This week marks a very momentous milestone in Brentford's history. As you know, we have been looking to move the new stadiums for, for years now, not even five years or ten years. There's been various venues being muted back from the 70s. You know, I remember when I was younger, they were talking about moving to Western International Market, which was down near Hayes. Before that, apparently Brentford Market was a site that was mooted as well. You know, there was a talk of moving to Woking, but we said no to Woking. Um, There's been various places that we've been talking about moving to, but in the end, a lot of work was done and a venue was found not too far from our current home. So it means that you're in Brentford or Brentford Plus, really, as it's on Kewbridge, so it's kind of on the border. And a new venue was found, plot of land was found, and hard work was put in, and eventually the plans were come for a new stadium at Lionel Road for Brentford FC. Now, it's looked like it's been a project that's been in the offing for a million years because it's been so, so far away, but all of a sudden, on Tuesday... They had a ceremony which was the sand in the ground ceremony, which was basically what's on Monday even, you know what I'm saying? Like I said to you, it's like it's such, such a blur, you didn't even know what it was. So sand in the ground on Monday, and all of a sudden everyone said, Oh my word, it's real. This is actually really happening. Our new stadium, which we always say, it's gonna be happening soon, it's gonna be happening soon, is actually happening. It was a moment that touched a lot of people's hearts, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it was um, it was it was, a, it was a day or an afternoon that was pretty much all about looking forward. If I'm honest with you, when I, I had some mixed feelings when I when I sort of um, left home that that sort of morning, um, I, it's the first time I'd stepped inside the Lionel Road plot. I didn't really know you know what I was expecting. You know, I was expecting this very small triangle of land because that's all you really see on the plans. But it's actually quite a, it's quite an expansive plot. If I'm honest with you, I know there's going to be flats flats there but um you know it's, it's easily it's easy big enough for a football ground um so yeah it's obviously going to transform over the next couple of years so yeah it, it was very very much you know I, I walked in and i laughed really i kind of thought you know it was it was like a ramshackle and it was like a huge puddle and it's like i thought god we're moving griffin park for this but you know what it, it's literally going to have a magic wand waved over it in the next couple of years and you know it's gonna it's gonna be sprouting all, all kinds of buildings and all kinds of stands and grass and center circles and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> it's gonna become hopefully a home but yeah, it was it was mixed emotions because it was probably the first time, really physically, that we've we've actually seen construction or we've actually seen something physical happen. Um, and I think most most of the Brentford fans that were there, there was quite a few Brentford fans. Um, there was people from the construction companies and there was people from you know from the local authorities and stuff which you know obviously it means a lot to them professionally and commercially but for us it means a whole lot more 
Um, so yeah, it, it, it was mixed emotions, and I, and I think the tone of the afternoon, the speeches that were made, kind of really fitted. They really, they really struck the right balance between the the, the, the history and the heritage and the traditions, and then obviously the ambition and the kind of vision and the future. And, and just to let you know, I mean, what happened on the day, I mean, Brentford held a ceremony and they pulled it together really well. It was really wicked because they got press people down there. They got fans down there. They got um, the Muttet family who um, the, the, the grandfather, Ernie Muttet, actually played for Brentford in the, well, the 30s and, and, you know, in the 40s and stuff as well like that. And he was, he was one of their top players, you know, so they got the family down there who were the family who were going to break the ground. They got a number of fans down there, you know, fan groups from ourselves, Griffin Park, Grapevine, you know, people who are really behind the stadium. They all came down there as well which is all good you know it'd have been great to get more fans down there you know press the you know the the, the, the local council people it was a right mixture of characters it had to be said and it was actually at one over the eight which is the pub which is pretty much on the at the venue where Brentford was founded at Brentford Rowing Club you know well over a hundred years ago now you know 1889 is where it's founded and so this is where it was so it's kind of like there was a lot of kind of ceremonial um, um, things that were happening on the day which was which was all good and it sort of made you feel a little bit warm didn't it yeah it did um it was you know the, the word Brentford family kind of gets a bit sneered at but by a lot of people and I can understand why as well you know it's a, it's a little bit you know marketing speak but there was a real sense of that you know I mean, Sa- Sally Stevens who we've kind of got to know slightly um, from our stadium action sort of Saturday morning meetings over the last few months she really did pull pull together a, a really good event and um, you know it, it was fitting that the, it happens you know so close to where you know our forefathers decided on having um, a, a football club rather than a rugby club club and uh, you know it was just you know and, and it was li- it's literally a stone's throw from from Lionel Road so you know the the whole area it's it, well, some people say it's actually going to be rechristened Chiswick Gateway or something that that plot when they market the flats but it's very much Brentford from our perspective indeed it's very much Brentford so listen let's go back to that day let's listen to what a number of people had to say and first of all we're going to be hearing from Peter Bill- Gillum Peter Gillum as we call him, you know, some people in America would call him a super fan. He's been supporting Brentford for all his life. He's given up his life to Brentford. You know, when he was working before and at the BBC, he used to run coaches and do lots of, lots of, lots of, you know, events for Brentford. Then he left um, the BBC and then he actually ended up working for the club itself. He's the man on the PA. He's been on the PA for years to come. Peter was totally and utterly emotional and he spoke to Besotted at the Brentford groundbreaking ceremony. So I'm with Peter Gillum. Peter, that was a you know very emotional speech you made there. You know you've been around this football club, as you said, for all the ups and downs. It's been a real journey for you. Did you ever think that we would be standing here now talking about a new stadium that was imminent, and and, and what will Griffin Park mean when you when you have to leave it? No, I didn't think it would happen. I mean, we're going back to 1974 when we first started talking about it uh, under Les David, Walter Wheatley. Uh, never materialised then. I thought the chance had gone. Started this century, they were talking about it. I never thought it was going to happen. And now today, the realisation is quite incredible. I think like the vast, well, like a lot of people, to leave Griffin Park can be really tough because our history is there, our families are there, people we've lost are there, you know, their remains are there as well. So all our memories are there. 
to move somewhere else is going to be really tough. I appreciate, like everybody does, we have to move forward. But it is emotional because it's the beginning of the end of Griffin Park and the start of a whole new life in a new stadium. As you said, it's, it's really difficult to kind of put your finger on your feelings. Yeah, you know, obviously it's exciting to think that we're going to have this big space age new dome across the road from where we're standing now. But you know, we've got a proud old stadium that's sitting there, obviously, with, with its with its days its days are numbered. Um, you know, is it good to see the club kind of celebrating the past as well as looking forward to the future? It's important to celebrate the past. We've got so much to celebrate. At the same time, we've got so much to celebrate about the future. I mean, where we are at the moment, <clears throat> you know, we've, we've been here a long time. You've been sporting the bees a long time, like I have, maybe not quite as long as me, but we've seen some hard old times. And it's only in the last few years, four or five years, that we've really made such great strides both on and off the pitch. So it is a time of celebration. But as I've already said, and you'll agree, uh, it, it's tough because our history is at Griffin Park. But that's the same. That is what history is all about. You know, what I said two minutes ago is history. We, we, we've got to move forward all the time and therefore is exciting. It's exciting for the new generation. It's exciting for the teams that, that, we are, that we are nowadays, the quality of the teams we have. Our quality and our play gets better and better and better. We're an entertaining side. We're an entertaining club. And I think it needs a new stadium and hopefully get bigger and bigger crowds. Is the big B radio booth going to end its way in your garden when we leave? Uh, I would like, like to think we're defenders. I haven't got a garden at the moment, but uh, I'd like to think I could place it somewhere in uh, near Thames Close, just next to the Thames where I live in Hampton. Uh, it's going to be a big, big moment. I mean, personally, I've been doing uh, Big B Radio now for 49 years, the man on the mic. Uh, I intend, if my health sees me through, I'd love to be able to make announcements at the new stadium, certainly the first match in the new stadium. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm talking about self, but I'm two years ahead of George Seth, who's second in the UK. Uh, he's at Liverpool. George and I keep in touch. So I had to keep going to keep ahead of George. I'd love to make it a new stadium, and I'd love to take something with me from Griffin Park. I won't say what. So Peter Gillam, you can hear how emotional he was talking to us there about Griffin Park and moving from Griffin Park to the new stadium, Lionel Road. And, you know, as he said, you know, he harks back to history and he knows how important history is, but he also said, we need a change. And this is probably one of the things that's been most difficult for fans because at the end of the day, I mean, I love Griffin Park and, you know, I quite like the fact that we've managed to to spin it out for so long. I mean, we should have been out of Griffin Park probably 20-odd years ago or even more. And the fact that we've actually managed to spin it out so long and remain in that old stadium and the fact that teams like Chelsea and Southampton and uh, have all come down there and they've played and they've kind of, you know, rabbit in the headlights when they've walked out onto the pitch, to me, that's really brilliant. But it's only so long we can spin it out for, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it really is. It's like having a classic car, really, isn't it? You know, so it's you can restore it and you can kind of like to bring it up to concourse condition, and you know you can kind of sneer at those people that in their modern cars that have got all the all the sort of mod cons and the, all the safety stuff and all that. And you think, oh, I've got a beautiful old car, but really it's gonna it's gonna let you down at some stage. It's it, it's, it's it, we're we're at the we're at the very very boundaries of how much we can we can squeeze out of Griffin Park. Um, and when people like Peter Gillan, people that have been there pretty much every day of their adult lives, he's probably, he probably spent more time at, at Griffin Park than he has in his own house or his own home. So in terms of hours, if, if, if they're convinced that it's time to go, 
you know people like us are kind of convinced it's time to go that's not to say that we're you know we're we're, we're going to jump out of there and we're, we're you know we're, we can't wait of course we you know it's going to be hugely emotional and as I know there's fans that have said they're going to refuse to to go to the new stadium you know it's their, it's their choice it's their it's for them to you know every everyone feels differently about this um, there is there is no right thing right way or wrong way to feel about leaving Griffin Park but you know, it's happening now, so you know all we can do now is just make sure that the new stadium is every bit as good as as we we hope it can be, and make sure it's a proper home for us, a, a, a fit to be called home. I think yeah, this week for me was about looking forward. There's plenty of time to look backwards, you know, over the next 18 months, uh, assuming that we hit those targets. Um, you know, this is all about moving forward and getting the opportunity that, as you say. You know, we talked about for so many years. I remember you driving out to look at this ground. I remember driving, getting my dad to drive me out to see Western International Market when that first happened and standing there looking at it thinking, I don't want to come here. But I think the fact we haven't spent much on Griffin Park since those days, you know, we all know it's time to move on and we can, we can sort the nostalgia thing out later and, uh, and where we go from that. I think as Laney just said, for me, it's all about we've got to get the new ground right. And we talked about that at length in the build-up to it. Now this is real, continuing that dialogue making sure that the new stadium is exactly what we want it to do and making sure we keep all the things about about our grounds, whatever it's going to be called, and about our club that makes it so special because, you know, I'm telling all my friends, you're not going to believe our new ground. It's going to be the best new ground in the country. You know, it ain't going to be the biggest, but it'll be the best and the most fan-friendly and you know, it's up to us to help make sure that the club deliver that. Interesting at the back end of that, Peter Gillam talked about, you know, even he is going to take something home from Griffin Park. And I, it's been a bit of talk about that. We talked about it on our podcast probably about six or seven months ago about taking something home, and it really is. But obviously now that the space gone in the ground and we've got a clock ticking before we actually move in that next stadium, people are going to be thinking about that. So just quickly, just around the table, what little thing or little big thing would you take home from Griffin Park Laney? I'd love a turnstile. I, I, I would love one. I mean, I don't know how much they're going to cost, but you know, I, that, that's what I would really love. A floodlight wouldn't, you know, I said I love a floodlight. I'm not sure it fit in my garden, but I, I've got actually a bee in my bonnet. I want those floodlights to go to another football ground. I want them to go to Hampton. I want those floodlights to live on. The Dutchman. What's the name of the thing that you lean against? That's that's who still stand. The red stanchion, crash barrier, crash barriers. I'd like one of those. Get a, get a crush barrier in your living room. It may be in somewhere in the house. We'll have to see where it fits or at worst in the garden. But I think one of those I could just lean on nostalgically every now and again and, and look towards where Griffin Park was and reminisce. And for me, I mean, a bit of a strange one, but I just think that we, they've spent so long fighting for this that I think that, you know, we need to retain it. And it's the soap dispensers in the toilets, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, we fought for it for so long, you know, all of a sudden the stage is gone, they'll be gone. So we need to retain those. So I'll be having those in my bathroom. It's got to be done. But... Just check out our Love Sports show, 9 till 10 on a Thursday night, because we're going to get you to call in, and we're just going to find out what people's memories, favourite game at Griffin Park, favourite memories of Griffin Park, and also what they might decide they want to take home from Griffin Park when it goes. But listen, we're also going to listen now to Cliff Crown. Cliff Crown gave a rousing speech at the groundbreaking ceremony where he talked about fan contribution, team effort and excitement. So Cliff, you, you made a really passionate speech there about the importance of this new stadium for our future. You also spoke about how the fans are kind of central into you know the thinking about this new stadium and the journey going forward. Um, there's a lot of fans that weren't here today and you said there will be um, events in the future for them, but can you just talk a little bit more about the fans that have helped you um, as a club to get to this point? Yeah, there's been so many of them along the way. Um, more recently, we've been holding fans forums so we can get 
direct input from some of our fans but uh, whilst I haven't been around for the last 15 years I do know that the fans have played such an important part I remember in 2014 there must have been near on a thousand fans at the council offices when we got the original planning permission through and that was a night to be so proud of uh, our football club and the contribution that our fans have made but I know the contribution goes back much much longer to 67 and the uh, fiasco with QPR and I'm sure earlier than that and certainly in the last 15 years plenty of fans have been supporting us working with us helping us get to this stage so it's been very much a team effort and whilst we couldn't have done this without Matthew we also couldn't have done it without the support of our fans as well today is very much about looking to the future and we'll always have one eye on the past and we'll always be proud of our past but can you just talk a little bit about the excitement you feel as a club and as a person that's been involved in this process well I, I joined the uh, the club about six years ago and one of the first things I did was negotiate to buy the site at Lionel Road on Matthew's behalf with Brian and Chris so for me I've been involved now through uh, the last six years and I think I would like to think that I epitomise all of the excitement that everyone is feeling. For me, opening the stadium and playing that first game, hopefully, uh, may not necessarily be in the Premier League, but playing one day in the Premier League in the new stadium, for me that will be probably one of the greatest days of my life. And I can't put it any higher than that. Were there times during this process you thought it may not happen? Of course, of course. Lots and lots of times where we thought, could we really make this happen? Um, and we keep fighting, we keep working hard. We've got a great team of advisors and people supporting us. And we truly believe that we are virtually there. Cliff Ground there at the groundbreaking ceremony. Yes, he got the tone spot on as well. And interesting, and we're not saying this because he is, but he's, an, he's an, obviously an, he's an Arsenal fan, but also he's a Brentford fan as well. And as he said, he's, you know, he's not been around for the last 15 years because he started working for Brentford six years ago. So this is quite new to him. You know, getting to grips with, you know, what's happening with Griffin Park and how much it means to us. I thought that was like a really, really interesting and a really warm speech from, you know, OK, he works for the club as well, but also you could tell that he knew how important it was for the fans and how much effort the fans had put in to make that stadium happen. Yeah, it's um, he did get the tone right, and and it kind of this carried on really from we had a, we had a meeting on a uh, Griffin Park on Saturday morning, didn't we? Um, where you know one of those the Sally Stevens organised consultations, and the, the more the more I attend of those, the kind of it, it my my confidence in the fact that the club seems to be doing the right thing because they want to rather than playing lip service it, 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 it is growing um, I, 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 I get the impression that you know within within reason that they will they will kind of facilitate any really good um, idea that, that marks Griffin Park um, you know they're, they're going to be concentrated rightly on, on, on moving out and, and getting getting the move right that's that's their focus it, it shouldn't be any other way but they they have Delegated certain fans, and we're, we're you know we're, we're here from one of them shortly, um, who will be like looking after the like kind of the, the history projects and any, anything relating to that. Again, you know, it's not it's not like um, the projects aren't underway, but he will be using this time. Ron Ron Cooper will be using this time with 
anyone that really wants to get involved to make sure that that, that legacy and the, and the kind of the, 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 the history is quite remembered. But yeah, the, the club's focus should be rightly on, on, on going forward and, you know, starting this plate spinning for, you know, the fans that want to kind of commemorate. And, I mean, talking about spinning it forward and, and looking to where we're going, obviously Dean Smith's the manager as well. So we had a chat with Dean Smith about his thoughts on us moving to the new stadium and how beneficial it will be for the team in the future. Dean Smith, Brentford manager, I've seen you breaking ground out there. History being made? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I think it's been a long time coming. I mean, 15 years it's been planned for, I think, for a lot of people. So it's great to, to, to see it finally happening now. Been the manager for a couple of years and Griffin Park must mean a lot to you. So it's got to be a little bit sad to sort of see us go as well, isn't it? It'd be very sad. I mean, uh, the whole ethos of the football club is about the togetherness. Uh, you know, we have our pre-match over the road at the hotel and walk to the ground and walk in amongst the supporters and, and chat away to them. And we have to make sure that when we do eventually leave Griffin Park that we still have that, that togetherness through the supporters, the management staff and the players. Griffin Park is tight. This new stadium is going to be bigger but it's still going to be very tight that's good for you isn't it yeah it is I mean it's the way we want to play football we want our supporters uh, to be as intimidating as, as possible to the opposition and uh, hopefully we can make that happen good day today Dean very happy yeah no really happy it's really pleasing to see all the people here who've worked so hard to get this happening so interesting points there from Dean Smith he talked about the togetherness he talked about it's almost like the community vibe that you get at, at Brentford and when I say community vibe the fact that you know everyone seems to know each other the fact that he goes to the hotel they eat on the Great West Road then they walk down to the ground and they pass fans and you know they're basically almost in and amongst the fans and that's something that's been really very very typical Brentford back in the day you know we know all the, the old players like I said to we invite them to our socials social and fourth of May by the way Martin Allen you know just got to get that one in but you know we know all these players because we, we we hung out with them they come down the pub they drink with us they you know we've we've, we've eaten with them um, we call them up we just find out how they're getting on and, and Brentford has been through that for years and even now you know okay things have got a slightly more corporate but still the club thinks it's very important the fact that they can walk through the fans to the game as opposed to you know like other teams Man United will probably get the coach you know 350 yards to the game we, we saw that first hand didn't we um, the morning when we woke up after the, um, the last the Christmas social we stayed at the hotel um, but, and uh, as, as we sort of came down and checked out the, the players that had their pre-match team talk and or their lunch or whatever they had and they were just mingling in the, in the old Alison Moyet and um, they they were just chatting away to, to fans, and you know it was they weren't they weren't as you said they they weren't hidden away. They weren't sort of in a special room cordoned off, and there wasn't a coach waiting for them. They literally walked from the hotel to, to the stadium. So yeah, I, I think that's the that's the way it should be. You know, it's um, as long as there's no there's no silly, silliness goes on. I think they, they you know it's the right it's the right way to prep. I've got a Dutchman. I'm going to ask you. I mean, how how can this go on? I mean, how, you know, how feasible is this that this is going to go on? Because at the end of the day, we've always been Brentford, we've always been small, but we're moving to a bigger stadium. Okay, it's not like you know, it's not like the Olympic Stadium, but still, it's our stadium and it's bigger and it's going to have fans. And you know, hopefully, we're going to be going up to a higher division. So, how feasible it is it, that Brentford can carry on the way that it is with this whole kind of we're in with the fans and we'll walk with the fans and when we get promoted, you know, we'll go down the pub with the fans and have drinks with them and stuff like that. Do you think that's really feasible or is that kind of bit pie in the sky? It's certainly feasible, but it's, it's difficult. I think it's a question of attitude and 
Yeah, there's, there's no reason why it changes, is there? The ground isn't that much bigger than what we got now. It's a few thousand more. It's nicer. There's more space. You know, you can still walk from wherever you want. You can still drink in the pubs if you want. So it's a mentality thing, and that that shouldn't really be dictated by the ground. I mean, we all worried that would happen when we moved up a league. You know, and we were in the championship, but here we are, year four. Um, you know, that hasn't really changed yet. So I think as long as the club, and that comes from the top and from Matthew downwards and through Cliff and any of the others and, and, and Peter Gillam and all of those, there's no reason why that has to change, but it does become more challenging. I think you'll see more grounds and you'll visit more grounds as we do where that isn't the case. And it does stand out now to all of us that we are very different and we're all very proud of that difference. And, you know, that's what we're saying about the ground. It's, it's vital for us as fans to try and keep that uniqueness that, that we think we've got about our club. And whilst every other club thinks that, we know that we're the only ones really that are truly unique. This this kind of mentality of how we approach games is very very much sort of symbolic of the, the people that are in charge. You know, Dean Smith is is a very he's, he's, you know he's, he's not he's not one of those kind of managers that you know he's down with the, he's down with the people. He, you know, he, he doesn't want us he doesn't want us to be you know preparing in some sort of like far flung women. Seven star resort, you know. He just—it's quite keep it real, you know. And you think about, you know, Matt Benham, the owner. He's he's very much just down with down with the people, you know. Obviously, blooming rich, but you know, he hasn't lost—he hasn't lost connection with how how fans think, you know. You know, you know, Phil Giles, Rasmus, and Cliff. You know, similarly, they're they're just kind of—they seem to be comfortable in, in, in just being running the club this way I think it, it probably could change if we had a foreign manager that come in from a bigger team that has got his own thoughts on how they need to prepare for games and you know the club allow him to do that but you know I don't I don't see it changing anytime soon I'm, I'm, it doesn't really need to not at all and you know you mentioned Phil Giles as well we also spoke to the director of football Phil Giles and he gave us his thoughts on you know the stadium what's happening in around the stadium and when we're going to get promoted we've got Phil Giles here director of football um, this is a bit of a momentous day you know the spades going into the ground for Brentford the move to Lionel Road looks like it's really happening yeah fantastic for everyone I'm looking forward to it players looking forward to it I'm sure uh, staff so yeah great we, we, we were sent um, last year going through some of the, the plans of the, the changing rooms and the medical facilities and all the rest of it so it's really real for us when you start having input into that and making sure it's, it works for the uh, for the football side I know I mean there's one thing that a lot of fans are very nervous about I mean obviously you move to a new stadium and there's the nerves that the next stadium isn't going to be as vibey as the other stadium we've had quite a few conversations I think that's one thing and you've said is absolutely key for you every time I speak to you you keep talking about new stadium it's got to have massive atmosphere it's a big point for you isn't it yeah 100% I mean so where we've been this season, we've been to you know, Sheffield United had a good atmosphere, Millwall's got a good atmosphere. Um, you know, lots of stadiums have it, and we've got to make sure we got it as well. It can't be just somewhere where everyone sits and watches and there's no support. I mean, it's really important to to be on top of the game and uh, and create atmosphere for the players. We've still got a couple of years. I mean, we're talking about December 2019 before we move to the new stadium. So uh, <laughs> I'll ask you. Are we sort of biding our time a little bit and trying to make that move to come inside of the new stadium or are we going to go for it next season? Uh, no, we're not, we're not biding our time. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd love to say, Matthew, Matthew, don't worry about um, don't worry about it. I know you cover financially the club, but uh, we're just going to take a couple of years over. Are you OK with that? Might cost you a few million. See what he says about that. Pretty sure you wouldn't be too happy about that, right? But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always going for it, right? I mean, next year we'll give it a good go within the parameters that we've got for ourselves, you know? 
So interestingly, both Phil Giles and Dean Smith talked about the stadium, talked about the atmosphere, talked about intimidation and talked about how we need to get it right. Um, obviously, it's key with the fans, but it's actually quite positive that it's key and right up there with the people that count. Yeah, I mean, we want to recreate the Griffin Park atmosphere if we can. Obviously, being tighter and being closer to the ground and closer to the pitch is key to that. And, you know, we know that the big teams, we've spoken to them, they hate coming down to that. They, they, they don't like it, but they're just not used to it. It's still very, very different when they come down. And that's why we have to make our new ground different. I mean, we'll all have a million tales of, of, of Griffin Park, I'm sure, over the coming 18 months. But, you know, the first time Norwich came round and there, and it wasn't Dealey, I'm afraid, but one of the other directors said to me, can you tell me where the director's entrance is? You know, and everyone just laughed and pointed him at the turnstile. And that, that, you know, that unsettles these people from the start. And I'm not saying we can be quite that decrepit in our brand new stadium, but tight, close to the pitch. It's not a massive ground, is it? You know, we, we, we can still get 12.5 in Griffin Park. It's another 5,000. It's not, it's not off the scale in terms of size. It will be mostly full, we hope, if we continue to compete at this level. And it should be a fantastic atmosphere. Just get it right, learn the lessons from the other clubs, listen to the fans, and tight and intimidating, just like the Griffin Park toilets, is exactly what we need. So it's interesting you talked about that and they've talked about it, but the club's also thought about it. And I know there's lots of people really worried. They said, oh, no, there's not going to be a bar. There's not going to be a hospital. There's not going to be a hotel at the, at the ground. But it's not quite as it's not quite as obvious as that, actually, because there are actually some things actually at the stadium that we actually didn't know that were going to be there, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, again, you know, we, we talked about these um, Saturday morning um, sessions that have been going. There's probably about four or five of them that happened over the last sort of, well, over the course of this season. Um, any, anyone, anyone that's got an inclination or anyone that's got um, something to, to say or to, 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 to input into, you know, in terms of good ideas is welcome to come along. But, but one of the things that was announced or kind of shared with us on Saturday morning was um, an area of the new stadium of uh, Lionel Road called they call it the dugout area and um, it's not going to be behind the dugouts or anything but there's a dugout bar apparently um, so these are going to be um, around the halfway line pretty much I would equate it to kind of like the, the Braemore Road paddock area where this is a very tight um, tight sort of space and there's is a lot of a lot of kind of people that want to be there together on the side of the pitch that want to create atmosphere. And these tickets or these these seats are going to be sold, um, I think, for a little bit more than um, the, the, the you know the bog standard um, season tickets. But that, by paying that a little bit more, you're able to have access before at half time and afterwards to a bar area. Um, what quite that looks like we're, we're not quite sure as such but that probably may kind of um, 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 kind of be a remedy to, to some fans that kind of like want to be able to have a drink inside the stadium so there's no prices been mentioned yet so, they, so there'll be it's, it'll be a set at a price point between a bog standard season ticket and this premium seating that will be kind of you know at the, the, the top the top level of the of the side stand so you know so it would appear that they've they've shoehorned a bar in there at least if Andy Scott comes back again will he try and move the dugout 
Probably, yeah, yeah, no, probably will. You know, Andy Scott is fam- famous for for moving the dugouts from the Braemore Road over to the new road. So, um, yeah, uh, so yeah, keep Andy Scott away from the dugouts. That's what I say. I think, well, Andy Scott has got lots of issues to deal with at Watford. So I think the dugouts at Brentford are probably going to be one of the last things on his mind. Um, talking about dugouts, talking about, I mean, that's obviously a historic thing for Brentford. I mean, it hasn't gone back to 1889, but it's still historic that the dugouts are at the Braemore Road, and then all of a sudden they move to the new road, and we're like, oh. No, but we also spoke to Ron from Bees United, and he's a man who is making sure that he's going to take care of our history. Let's listen to Ron. Ron Cooper, um, you've been involved in the, the fans' negotiations on on Saturday mornings before some home games recently, right. and you're you've got a brief of looking after the like the history and making sure that, that our past is represented in the new stadium. What did you think of the speeches today? And you know, are you confident that the past is going to be celebrated um, as, as much as the future is going to be sort of looking look, being looked forward to? Yeah, I found it a little bit emotional this morning, listening back over the history of Brentford and that I've been part of that for a long time as well um, but I'm fairly confident that speaking to people here this morning that um, the history of Griffin Park will be remembered uh, significantly when we get to, uh, to Lionel Road That was Ron from Bees United and he's talking history if you know your history Laney It's enough to make your art go Whoa. Yeah, no, Ron Cooper, he's um, the dad of Andy Cooper, who's... Um, Hong Kong B. Hong Kong B, he's been a sort of contributor for 25 years, probably. Um, some, of the, some of the best articles we've ever published, I think, and he's not, be, not been responsible for. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's just it's nice. Again, I, I said it earlier, it's nice that someone's put their hand up and they've taken on the baton of looking after those kind of projects that need to be done I'm gonna I'm having a meeting with um, Ron in a couple of weeks time we've got a lot lot lots of bits and bobs to kind of to, to discuss um, but we're don't, don't get me wrong you know for, for someone who's been involved in 125 yearbooks in the book for Griffin Park 70s 80s and 90s with Mark Croxford you know I'm not going to let the, the history of the club um, be be forgotten so, um, so I mean just I'm not saying because we're not you know, obviously it's still very early days yet but what kind of things you know are thought of being done and what also can the fans contribute to, to for, for this part which is obviously very important I think Ron's going to catalogue kind of memorabilia and, and collectibles that the club have got in its possession um, you know hopefully at some stage we can think about having a museum um, whether it's on the stadium site or it's somewhere closer to Griffin Park, but I think that's something that needs to happen at some stage. Um, he's going to be talking to um, with, with us. We're going to be interviewing Brentford fans about their memories of Griffin Park. We'll produce a video, hopefully. Um, you know, not not just a you know a ten minute video. This will be like a you know a, a proper documentary on people's memories of Griffin Park. So that's something that we'll get underway. Um, it probably could a catalogue basically anyone that's got anything collectible and just 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 have it as a kind of so the club not they're not asking it to be donated at this stage but it's just so they know where it is and what's out there and and I'm I'm, hope, I'm hoping that in the in the sort of like in the around the boardrooms and in the concourses around the stadium that there's kind of there's graphical and there's photographs and there's 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 memorabilia and there's artifacts and we can, we can use it as a almost like an exhibition space really so yeah we'll we'll, we'll use our imaginations and you know we have to just make sure that as I said the heritage 
opportunities you've remembered. Excellent. So I mean, if anyone wants to get involved as well, probably the easiest thing to do is just to go to the Bissotted website, bissotted.com, email us, and then we will forward that to Ron and the bias people out there, and they can take care of it. But there's also other people you're talking about history. History, like I said to you, the event was at 1 over the 8, which is the pub, which was basically the venue where Brentford was founded in 1889, the rowing club. Now, the, it's now a pub, a Fuller's pub, called, uh, like I said, 1 over the 8, and ironically, Fuller's were very much involved in Brentford's history. So we spoke to Jonathan Swain, who's the MD of Fuller's, and he told us exactly how excited they are of getting involved in Brentford at this stage, as they have been for many, many a year. So I'm with Jonathan Swain here from Fuller's Brewery. Um, we're right on the site almost where Brentford Football Club was formed. Um, Fuller's was instrumental in handing Brentford a bit of land in 1904 that allowed us to build Griffin Park. Um, and it looks like you're going to be involved in the club's future. How proud are you as a company to be involved in this event today? Well, obviously, Dave, we're really proud. It makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up a bit to be on the on the site, really, where I think the Oxford and Cambridge club had to decide which winter sport they were going to play. Was it going to be rugby or association football? And then uh, the, the, the history of the club was born. The, the far-sighted people at Fuller's um, bequeathed that land to the club, um, the orchard, where Griffin Park now stands. And so, so begun our long um, uh, history with both organisations. And, I mean, the pride, pride is the word, isn't it? You know, pride of West London, uh, London pride. Um, it runs right through our organisation and runs right through the club. Uh, so it, it, it makes me feel very proud to see that, see our beer there, um, the Fuller's name around the, around the, the perimeter of the ground, which is absolutely fantastic. So ironically, there's me sitting here drinking a pint of pride as Fuller's have been explaining how... They've been involved with Brentford from the very first day. Well, not the first day as such, but they actually... First day at Griffin Park, you know. The orchard which they gave them, they said, listen here, you can have a ground in this orchard that we actually own. And so they've been linked with with Brentford for over 125 years. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It It is amazing. Yeah, so when I was researching the Griffin Park book with Mark Croxford, we saw some amazing photographs that you know we, we hadn't we hadn't seen before, things that hadn't been um, published since the since the you know since the uh, you know 1904 1905, and it was it struck us that the, the, the advertising hoardings all the way around the ground then they said Fuller's 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 everywhere, and um, if you notice now. It says very much the same, you know, these electronic hoardings, these LED hoardings, they say Fuller's all around the stadium, and that's exactly as it was in, in 1904. So not only, not only did Fuller's bequeath us the orchard, they started sponsoring the club and they started supporting it from, from, those, from those early days. I remember behind the Eden Road goal when, when it was uncovered, there was always a Fuller's beer sign, slightly offset to the right-hand side facing the Eden Road end. And that, that changed from, from the sort of early, well, early 60s through the 70s, 80s and 90s. That was there right until they, they covered the Ealing Road end. So, you know, they, they've, been, they've been entwined in our history from, from sort of back in the day. And it's, uh, it's great. They're nice people and um, it's good that they're involved with the club. Which is good as well. And like I said, just going back to the, the event as well, there are so many people there. We're going to be cracking on talking to, well, a fan. A fan that has been supporting Brentford for a very, very long time. 
as we say, Brentford tries to be as diverse as possible. And this fan, he is disabled. He is um, blind, but he comes and sees the bees every week. Goes home and away. Knows everything about Brentford. A familiar face around Griffin Park. A familiar face on our podcast as well, and even on our videos as well. Melvin Collins, um, and he was also a. Uh, I think it was your teacher, really, Lady. No, no, that was that wasn't that wasn't Melvin. That was um, that was Andy Goffrey. Andy Goffrey's another like um, a very very kind of um, visible blind fan, if that makes sense. He 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 is he's very much part of the Brentford fabric. He's been going for donkey's years. So you know, but the the pair of them, they 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 are kind of like testament to why it was so important to have you know this this blind scheme. It started in the 1950s, and you know, in, in again in the 100 years of Brentford book, and sorry, 125 years of Brentford book, it's a picture of the the first game, and Melvin's there. You know, he's he, he's he probably hasn't he's probably missed a handful of games in that in that whole sort of 60 60 year period. So um, it just shows you important. It's, it's it's more it's more than more than just a commentary. It's it, it's it's kind of um, it, it just allows people to share in in football on a Saturday where they where they they couldn't have done otherwise. So it's just it's a brilliant thing. Indeed, let's hear from Melvin. Melvin Collins is, is one of those very very recognisable Brentford fans. He's, he's been a, he's been part of the fabric of Brentford Football Club for more than more years than you probably can remember. How how proud are you of um, the journey we've had in the last well in the last twenty years? And how important is this new stadium to you? And and, and how sad are you going to be to be leaving Griffin Park? Right. Well, the, the the journey has obviously been painful at times, but we got here. The compulsory purchase order bit was all always going to be the tricky bit but I think now that we're virtually through that and we're going to be turning the first sod this afternoon uh, I think uh, that's testament to all the hard work of the people. Uh, as regards myself, yeah, I mean I, I went to Griffin Park uh, not that it bothered me too much uh, uh, when they had no floodlights so Brentford being the second club in the, in the country to provide services for the blind uh, behind Preston. What will I feel like leaving Griffin Park? I think you'll have to tear me away from the ground. I shall sob for a week. <laughs> but um, progress is progress and if, if Brentford are going to be strong in West London, then uh, it's onwards and upwards. So there you go, there's Melvin. Really interesting. Blind scheme. He played Teston to make the second club to have a blind scheme and uh, we're going to bring bringing all that disability thing to the new stadium which uh, we're going to talk about a little bit later but this new stadium may not have happened if it wasn't for an little election in Hounslow apparently we're going to chat to Steve Cowan who's very proud of the fact that Brentford fans actually got up and they made their voices count at the election ballot and as a result of that things move forward and Lionel Road has happened let's listen to Steve Steve Cowan, um, you're you're a person that's been very instrumental in the journey to get where we where we are today. Can you just talk us through how you feel today and and, and some of that journey to give us kind of a, a kind of like a, a like a reference point as to how important it is today? Well, I, I like the way you say a reference point, and today is just a, a, a ceremonial, but actually it does mark a new beginning. And Cliff Crown, the chairman, did mention that there were many, many people who spent a lot of time in the last 15 years 
working really hard and selflessly to get to this point of a new stadium. Uh, was there ever a time you thought we would never get to this stage? Yes, we were very close to that, you know. And that's why myself and two or three others made a, a potentially risky decision to stand in the local government elections, Brentford supporters, to actually change the policy of the council in planning terms. That was a high-risk strategy because we'd never wanted to alienate the council. We did win with Luke Curtin, and from literally that day, that Thursday, we had a new leader and deputy leader, both of whom were Brentford members. Um, and so that was a high-risk strategy, and had we lost that, I'm not sure we would have had a Brentford at the moment. We're looking very much forward today, and today is all about looking forward, I'd say, but we're always going to have one kind of... We're always going to be looking over our shoulder at the past as well. How, how are you going to feel when the day we, we leave Griffin Park? Well, I'm a father, and for me, Griffin Park is where my little boy grew up. He's now a monster. Um, he never misses a game home or away, and it's going to really be a heart-wrencher. Very, very difficult leaving um, the Ealing Road stand and all that. But I kind of rationally understand that we have to make the move. But like many thousands of people, it'll be painful leaving it. Steve Cowan, he was the big, big voice all the way through in this whole driving the stadium forward, isn't he, Laney? Yeah, Steve's top, top man. Worked with him as well. He, he worked on some of our on, on my books that we, we did with the National Literacy Trust. Um, He's he's a he's a pretty much a visionary, and you know he's a professor. He's he's a very very intelligent man, and he's, he's, he, again I'm sort of like I'm, I'm proud to proud to know him to be honest with you. Um, what what he did um, um, as a, an election campaigner was was remarkable to, to, to be able to get Luke Curtin um, anywhere near fit to be elected in, in terms of a strategy going out there leafleting. Um, knocking on people's doors, explaining why it was important to back ABC. You know, pe pe people weren't. Pe you know, we know that the residents weren't that fussed about Brentford. Um, otherwise, they would have allowed us to build. You know, build the stand on the Eden Road in way before. Way before they. You know, we eventually got our way. But whatever it, whatever the persuasive tactics of of that campaign was, it allowed the the, the domino effect to happen. We 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 showed that. The, we showed the council that we weren't going to go away, we weren't going to shut up. Um, the future of the football club was important. We, we underlined its tradition, its heritage. And then councillors started to come round and, and see Brentford fans in a different way. And they, they, you know, they thought, well, if Brentford fans were able to... to, 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 to mobilise. Well, yeah, mobil not only just mobilise, but just to, just to, you know, to, to campaign and, to, and take on. Um, so councillors in some very very important wards, they, they we, we, we kind of we, we, we did ourselves proud, or they did us proud. So um, yeah, no, so fair play to Luke Curtin, fair play to Steve Cowan, fair play to everyone that got involved at that time. Um, and it, it, we wouldn't be where we are now without that. And that is that's not that's not an exaggeration. And uh, uh, just interesting as well because obviously we formed a political party which was what was it called ABC. ABC as well, which is ABC, and uh, it's interesting to know because obviously that political party, even though it was kind of a political party as such, but it was obviously intrinsically linked to Brentford. It might be a sort of a future Trivial Pursuits quiz question. Um, what other teams have got uh, political parties um, linked to them? Do you know? Hartlepool, the, the monkey, 
the, the and um, I'm pretty sure Charlton had something with the valley. There was some political set up there, but not many. I mean, ABC was amazing. There was a lot of um, lethargy around the club at the time. Lots of people a bit despondent, and we all knew we wanted to do something. And people like you know the, the people that um, Laney's mentioned, they really sort of stood up and took it to the stage and got everyone else motivated not just around the council but also the other fans you you saw those guys doing it week in week out and it certainly inspired me and motivated me to a think we can make a difference and b to kind of add more and contribute more so yeah massive respect to all of those which is good and you know moving the stadium forward now i mean we've got a stadium coming in 2019 december 2019 is the date it's been set in stone well we say it's been set in stone because that's the marker that we put down there from what I can gather, um, assuming I think we're in this division, we need to move before Christmas. Uh, so that's why they've set the date for December. If we don't move by Christmas, then we'll be moving the following August, which will be um, August 2020. But they're setting the date for December 2019 and see what we'll do that. We spoke to Lee Doyle, who's the head honcho of the community scheme. We talked about how Brentford, because obviously we need to be moving from, you know, eight, 9,000 average crowd or average home fans to sort of kind of 15, 16,000 average home fans. So we need to be reaching out to the community. We spoke to Lee Doyle to ask him, how is this new stadium going to affect the work he does and how are we going to diversify and reach out into the community? Here's Lee. Lee Doyle, community head honcho, top boy, and been Brentford fan for Brentford fan and at Brentford for as long as I've known, <laughs> taking photographs, the community scheme. This must be a very, very exciting and proud day for you. Very proud, but proud for everyone. Probably just similar to you, Bill, isn't it? Really, it is. You know, just when you look at it and you start seeing everything get levelled out and the site now, you know taking shape then uh, it makes you proud but it makes you really like I think it sets a direction doesn't it and the energy like you can feel it today it's all moving you know in the right direction trying to diversify the crowd getting as many people from as many backgrounds as possible this is obviously one of the big key things for you how will this new stadium be able to help obviously that's that's what we do when you talk about diversity you also you look at equality of opportunity and that is that is what we're all about in terms of giving everybody an opportunity and obviously the current stadium I've say I bought my dad uh, the other week and we sat in, in the disability area with with my uh, son and, and wife and we had a fantastic experience it was one of the best days I'd had at Griffin Park apart, apart from obviously we played Norwich and we didn't do so well but the um, but the actual experience was fantastic now if you look at a new facility and what that what that means to us and how many people we can introduce that if that's your fir- you know if it's your first experience of sport and we can look after you and the trust are actually doing that out in the community pretty much every day of the year and then you've got the stadium which is the catalyst isn't it and that energy then i think it introduces new people to the family lee Dorf, thanks very much thank you very much bill so that was Lee Dorff from the Community Trust, the Brentford Community Trust, been doing absolutely brilliant work. They were, they were there at the Christmas social as well, and we're going to be getting them down there for the end of season social as well. But they do brilliant work in and around the community. There's four different boroughs, like you know, which we get involved in, and uh, they are very, very active, and they're very excited about this moving next year because it's going to be big things for the Trust Lane, isn't it? DJ Doyley. DJ Doyley and uh, he's on the ones and twos as well we went to a party the other day and Lee Doyle was on the ones and twos he's very he was potty for it as well he was quite good 
Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's again top man. You know, he's, he's one of those people that are very, very much Brentford people. We've we've known Lee Doyle since he was in his early twenties. He was he was involved in. He was a photographer for Brentford Football Club. Um, he was um, uh, Martin Spong's assistant when the community scheme was was set up. He's been he's been around Brentford Football Club for more years than again he he would want to remember. And I still remember when we came back from. Peterborough and Cambridge. He was in the in the in the guard, the beer garden with us in the in the new inn, um, and celebrating with us. So yeah, he's a, a proper Brentford person, and he, he he he'll get it. You know, he, he's worked tirelessly and he's, he's won awards. Um, Brentford Football Club has benefited hugely from what the what the work the trust have done, and um, is you know it's just it's just critical that their work can flourish. Um, and they can use um, the new stadium and the new fans that are hopefully generated to take them to a different level. And I mean, talking about taking to a different level, and we're talking about new fans. Um, obviously, moving to the new stadium, we need to keep the fans that we have here. We need to build from there. And the news has come out that Brentford will be freezing their season ticket prices yet again this year. So as we go to following season. Tw- uh, 2018, 2019, exactly the same price you pay as you would do this year. There's probably some sort of early bird price. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but you just go and check on Besotted, or sorry, on, on BrentfordFC.com in a few days, or by Thursday or Friday, and they will let you know exactly how much you want to pay. But it is nothing more. And the fingers crossed that we have, the indications that we're having is that as we move into the new stadium, we are not going to get fleeced as well. We're talking about... Um, the pricing being well, we're trying to move into the new stadium, get a new crowd. And also, as Matthew Benham said as well from very, very early days in his interview um, on Besotted and also his interview in the GPG. And he's got another interview on the GPG, which is out right now. You should go and check it out. But he's always believed in affordable pricing uh, for fans, which we think is great. So um, this is a very, very good sign. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, so to reiterate that, season ticket prices frozen for 2018-2019. And apologies to Kurt Pittman. I'm sure he said they were going to be released this Thursday. If he said the following Thursday, I can only apologise. But, you know, um, we said that we help promote it. But, you know, obviously it can only be a good thing. You weren't expecting them, surely, to reduce the prices for next year. So, the, you know, the fact is that um, they're going to they're gonna freeze them. There's also, I won't, I won't steal the thunder from this one, but there, there's a, a very exciting um, development in the family stand area where they're going to try and um, they're going to try and ramp that up so it's uh, they're going to try and get as many as many youth fans there as, as possible just to try grow the atmosphere that's there and to just make them feel that they don't want to miss a game and they can then progress and they can grow into the other areas of the ground what a bargain that season ticket price will be next year if we get promoted to the Premier League that's all I can say can you imagine paying less than £400 being in the Premier League it's a good thing you know, I think we understand that prices go up occasionally but we're pretty competitively priced at Brentford we've seen how we've been fleeced on a couple of games this year um, you know, plenty of campaigns about what, what people shouldn't shouldn't pay particularly as away fans but I think overall we get it just about right and the gesture of freezing them for next season uh, is a good one and if, if obviously if that is the case and um, fantastic news and everyone should be really appreciative of the club for doing that you know the fact is it could be the penultimate season in you know at Griffin Park so I think I think you know if, if you can afford it if you know if you if you can make that commitment um, I think you know we ought to repay the fact that they are they have frozen the season ticket prices again by by going out and buying one um, 
you know let, let's 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 fill Griffin Park while we can. I think it's I think it's important from from our perspective is you know what can we do for in the, in our final two seasons. Obviously, a make sure we we we're there, um, but obviously let's let's just let's give the old girl a proper couple of years send off. You know you know let's sell out. A sell out the last two seasons there. Let's let's make sure there's not a, not a space empty. You know, it's we say we, we all know that we're proud of there. It's you know, 1904 was our first game. We're gonna we are gonna be leaving soon. Is there's there's a tangible amount of of games under the floodlights. Let's make sure we're there for all of them. Drag your mates. Just make sure they're there. Absolutely. Let's have a big big send off for Brentford at Griffin Park. But listen, this has been the besotted. Pride of West London podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. This has been a bit of a stadium special for us. We'll also be doing a stadium special on our radio show and Love Sport. It'll be live 9 till 10 o'clock Thursday night, 558am DAB digital and lovesportradio.com. You can check us out. Please phone in. Talk about your Griffin Park moments. Please talk about what you're going to be taking from Griffin Park, sneaking out after your coat on the last day. You can phone in there um, on the telephone number. Oh, see you. 0208 702 0558 between 9 and 10 just call in there and just tell us the thoughts we'd love to hear from you so that's going to be absolutely as we say teething tremendous on Love Sport Radio we'll also do a little podcast for that so if you don't catch that live we'll actually put that up as well and that should be live by Friday morning as well obviously this podcast will be up there as well we should be up there live and kicking we'll also probably take all the bits of the interviews from this podcast from all the people out there at the Brentford ground breaking ceremony we'll put them onto one separate podcast as well which should be all good but other than that, like I said to you, Martin Allen is coming on the 4th of May. He's got a job at Barnet, but that does not matter because he is absolutely potty for it. And he wants to see the Bees fans. Tickets have been flying out the door. Go to besotted.com, click on that waving hand of the Martin Allen and get your ticket. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. But other than that, I'll tell you something, we're very proud to have been there and seen the groundbreaking ceremony of the new Lionel Road um, Stadium. You've got a year and a half for it to come, so let's make the most of it. Let's make the most of our time at Griffin Park and let's really enjoy it because it has been, honestly, for all my life I've been there, I've never had so much fun at a football match. But listen, everybody else, as we all say here, in the lamb and flag in Covent Garden, as they've taken really good care of us, we are going to say, as we move into this new era... Come on, you bees! Um, is there any truth that John Terry's mum's going to Oh, no, we won't talk about that. Thank you very much. Let's just remain on a positive. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.